Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Monday evening where we continue our reflections, our initial reflections, huh, into Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. We are in verses, what, 4, 5, 6? I don't know if we're going to get really beyond verse 5 this evening, that all-important verse that speaks to being enriched in Christ with all speech and knowledge. This is going to afford us the opportunity to really reflect into the importance of what we say, especially within the context of gossip and also knowledge, how important it is that we are filled with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So that is going to be our principal subject matter for this evening. But before we get into that, I did want to just make a formal announcement and more of a formal invitation to all of you listeners out there listening locally, nationally, or abroad for that matter. I teach with the Avila Institute. They are an outfit, an an online learning outfit that really focuses in on spiritual theology. They offer a program that has you studying the likes of St. John of the Cross, St. John of Avila, and all of the great spiritual doctors of the Church. Now, that being said, there are some introductory courses, one of which is titled The Bible and the Revelation of Prayer. It's a course that focuses in on the revelation of prayer as it comes to us in the Bible. Now, I'm teaching this course. It is a course that starts uh, here in three to four weeks. If you want to learn more about the course, please do. Again, this is a formal invitation to all of you out there. If you are interested in studying more about spiritual theology, especially as it relates to the Bible and the revelation of prayer in the Bible, it is an introductory course, a course that has you going deeper into your faith. It is an online learning program, so if you are listening to this podcast and you call Germany your home, or you call Italy your home, or you call South Africa your home, you can take these classes, you can take these courses. In point of fact, I'm pitching this course to you because, well, it is a course you can take. If you just go to spiritualdirection.com and hit the link to the Avila Institute, you can gain a whole lot more information about it. If you have any questions and you just want to talk to me personally, you know my contact information, j-h-o-l-l-j-m-j at yahoo.com, or you can go to my website at joeholcraft.org. Again, if you have any questions about this, if you are interested in taking this course, the Bible and the Revelation of Prayer, and or you are interested more generally in the Avila Institute, please go to those aforementioned websites, spiritualdirection.com, or my own contact information. All right, with that, let us jump into Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And again, I will just read here, verses 4 and 5. I give thanks to God always for you because of the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him with all speech and all knowledge. Now pay close attention to these verses. (laughs) If you've been with me, you know that every single verse is saturated with so much 
insight to be gained so as to live out a more vibrant Christian and Catholic life. Listen to verse 4. I give thanks to God always. Okay, that's not a coincidence. (laughs) I give thanks to God always. So Paul here is living in this perpetual state of thanksgiving. Why? Well, what has he already spoken to? And now I'm thinking of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Pray always. If we pray always, then what we will find is an acquired disposition, an acquired state of being that is constantly giving thanks to God because you see all in light of God. What does the catechism say about life itself? Well, to live is to pray. To live well is to pray well, and to pray well is to live well. So if we are praying well, we will be giving thanks to God always, huh? always, for you because of the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him with all speech and knowledge. So what's going on here? Well, what is this language of being enriched? Well, for Paul, the image of riches or being enriched by the grace of God is a favorite phrase, especially if you're to go into Paul's epistle to Romans. How about this with all speech or with all discourse or with all speaking? This is a phrase that when you translate the Greek, it literally means in every word. And this is quite appropriate since the Corinthian assemblies are quite noisy, right? With some not waiting to speak until others have finished. So speech is very, very important. How we speak, what we are saying, and how we are saying it. Here, my friends, we ought to reflect into gossip. Because if we are not filled with the Holy Spirit— and we are not living a life of grace, one that is enriched by the very love of God, it is quite easy to slip into the sin of gossip. The sin of gossip has its way of penetrating every setting, whether at home with spouse or siblings, at our work setting among our peers, or even, tragically so, (laughs) at our local church. One thing is for sure, my friends, as long as we are vested with the flesh and belong to the human race— We have to be on guard against the snares of the adversary and his plot to break down the beauty of relationships. There is no walk of life. There is no demographic that is immune from the injustices of speech. So how might we more formally define gossip? Well, you can turn to any dictionary and it will speak of gossip as what? But the idle conversation about the affairs of other people. Of its very nature, my friends, gossip is poisonous. Idle conversation that does not serve the purpose of praise and building up the people of God lends itself to what? But a conversation that is negative and and ultimately sinful, right? Words of gossip are destructive to relationships. Part of our daily examination of conscience should consider how many negative things we say in a day about those who are in our circles of everyday life. And when I speak to the examination of conscience, my friends, here I'm thinking about the daily examine, where at the end of a day you kind of look back and think about the ways in which you have either glorified God and that you seek to repeat, or ways that you have offended God and you seek to change. So 
Again, our daily examine should consider how many negative things we have said in our day and really ask ourselves the question, why? Huh? Why? My friends, if we are faithful to a daily examine, we might be surprised by the amount of gossip that fills our discussions and how those words cause harm and lead to so much heartache. We should take heed of the words of the psalmist. If you were to go to Psalm chapter 101, verse 5, him who slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. What about Paul's advice to Titus? Remind them to speak evil of no one. Those are strong words that come to us from Paul. In other words, my friends, if you do not have anything good to say, then be silent, or better yet, say something encouraging or constructive. If you have any doubt about the gravity of gossip, <laughs> take heed to James chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Listen to the words of St. James. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, staining the whole body setting on fire the cycle of nature, and set on fire by what but hell. Wow, strong words from James about the injustice of speech. Why are we talking about gossip in the light of verse 5? Because brothers and sisters, speech is very, very important. What else can we say about gossip here? Well, while the catechism does not specifically use the word gossip per se, it does offer some clear direction on the behavior we are to avoid in our fraternal gatherings, those gatherings that we have so often. For most of us listening to this radio program, we will probably be gathering on Sunday for Super Bowl Sunday, at least here in the States, right? I might encourage you to pay close attention to what we are talking about now in those gatherings, that we might, we might avoid the sin of gossip. So here in the Catechism, paragraph 2477, we read, The respect for the reputation of persons forbids every attitude and word likely to cause someone unjust injury. And the Catechism goes on to say that a person becomes guilty of rash judgment, who even tacitly assumes as true, without sufficient foundation, the moral fault of a neighbor, of detraction, who without any kind of objectively valid reason, discloses another's faults and failings to persons who do not even know them, and certainly of calumny, who, by remarks contrary to the truth, harms the reputation of others and gives occasion for false judgments concerning them. And maybe a more common phrase used for detraction and calumny is backbiting. Have you heard that phrase before? Probably, huh? St. <laughs> Thomas Aquinas calls this the sin of tail whispering. This sinful form of speech stirs up trouble behind someone's back, huh? Now, we also have the tendency to diminish or even justify our wicked words by saying that we need to do what? Vent. And certainly this excuse often fails because our attempt at justification is often rooted in what? But anger. And here, let me clarify, I do not discount the need to discuss a problem with someone. But that someone needs to be able to guide you into the process of forgiveness and reconciliation. And usually, this is your spiritual director or a mentor you can trust. I get it. I am human. We are all human. Sometimes we just need to decompress. We need to exhale. 
but timing really is everything. Now, what I think is fascinating is the way in which Satan, over the course of time, continues to parody God. Consider what the word gossip means. The word gossip comes from the Old English word godseeb, which meant at one time sponsor or godparent. Now, over the course of time, this word evolved from a familiar acquaintance, if you will, such as a sponsor or godparent, to anyone engaging in familiar talk. This was a, a definition applied to social circles in the early 17th century Europe. So what once meant anyone engaging in familiar talk now means the idle conversation about the affairs of other people. So a word that once spoke to the blessing of relationships is now about the betrayal of relationships. Once again, Satan is busy hijacking the truth that rightfully belongs to God. Now the catechism also makes it clear that just because a statement is objectively true or proven as a fact, we do not have the right to share it with whomever, wherever, and whenever. Conforming ourselves to the fraternal precept of love, we are to discern what needs to be shared, with whom it needs to be shared, and when it needs to be shared, if at all. Now, to speak to this, one should understand the importance of silence, because silence may very well be the proper and virtuous approach. I mean, think about it. As a noun, we define silence as what? Muteness, the absence of noise. But what about its verb? In its verb form, we define silence as becoming still, quiet. So it is in the action to become still that we begin to move towards silence as a virtue. Silence is virtuous when he who could speak remains still. Silence means, my friends, that he who could go forth by speaking remains in an inner reserve. And the fruit of this inner reserve is the fruit of any good discernment. And certainly we could say essential to building up the body of Christ. So what is the question we should be asking ourselves? Maybe, should I say something? Knowing that the use of the virtue of silence is one of the options in discernment. And discernment it is. Huh? The church reminds us that we have an obligation to correct our brother's fault for the sake of righteousness out of love. Certainly we are all familiar with Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 17, where he speaks to the need to correct our brother's fault. Paul talks about it on a number of occasions in his letter to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, in his second epistle to Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, uh, chapter 6, verse 4, and many others. And what is foundational to this correction is that we do it in a spirit of gentleness and reverence. If genuine peace and unity are to be realized in our friendships, then reconciliation between friends is absolutely necessary. Sometimes the reconciliation, again, involves a reproof or that first spiritual work of mercy, admonishment. If we are straightforward about situations that trouble us, friendships would see a whole lot less betrayal and despondency and a whole lot more trust and cheerfulness. Far too often, we're let down by our friends because we place such high expectations on them. 
We ought to be mindful that on the other side of expectation is disappointment, and on the other side of disappointment is resentment. And I would even extend that one step further on the other side of resentment is envy and hate. For this reason, my friends, we need to be willing to have the conversations that are necessary for our friendships to move towards that more authentic expression of peace and unity. Now, maybe for some of us, if not all of us, a reproof or an admonishment is certainly not something that we look forward to, but they are necessary. I mean, consider that the Greek word for reproof can also translate as reason, examine, or a reasoned argument. In reproof, we seek a reasoned conversation in which we listen to each other in true dialogue. Now, the word admonishment comes from the Latin verb monire, meaning to warn, advise, or alert someone to a threat or danger. The danger, of course, being the course of sinful behavior. So in light of this, fraternal correction should be rooted in the following principles. I actually talk about these principles in my book, A Heart for Evangelizing. First, be mindful of your own weakness and need for Christ. Huh? This is what our Lord talks about in the famous uh, narrative in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. And within that context, pray for the disposition of non-condemnation, charity, reverence, and humility. All correction, all reproof, all admonishment, my friends, must naturally flow out of genuine love. Second step, pray for clarity and discern when to engage in correction. Again, timing really is important. Third, for the sake of integrity, at least initially, let correction always be behind closed doors, one-on-one, one-on-one. Journey with someone. Fourth, always be sure that the person has the experience of being listened to. How many times do we just jump into a conversation? What did we just say in light of verse 5? In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he was challenging them (laughs) in their speech because they were constantly interrupting one another. Give the person you are speaking with the experience of being listened to. Number five, under the inspiration of the first principle, (laughs) being mindful of your own weakness and need for Christ, Be prepared to give sufficient explanation about the fault that lies at the heart of your encounter. Be clear and concise. Let a very real dialogue ensue. You know, I just spoke to the virtue of silence. How important is that virtue today, especially within the context of what we were talking about right now? Okay, lastly here, trust in God, huh? (laughs) The fact of the matter is, a correction is not always well-received. You know, some of my strongest encounters that have led to a more authentic expression of reconciliation have required prolonged time. Why? Because human nature needs time. We always have to respect human nature. And by that, I mean, we always have to respect the fact that in our encounters with one another, when you put them in the context of reproof and admonishment, are filled with not responses, but reactions. Take stock, my friends, in what we are talking about now and adhere to verse 5. 
Let the speech of God and the knowledge of God fill your encounters with one another. All right, just a, a few last words here about gossip, and then we will move on. What we have in the absence of fraternal correction really is the sin of omission, which ultimately leads to the sin of gossip. What do I mean? Well, next time you catch yourself in a moment when you have said less than charitable words, ask yourself this question. Could this moment have been avoided if I had engaged the person on the matter being discussed? One of the great tools of the adversary is the fear of confrontation. Now, I was just speaking to silence as virtuous. It can also be a trap if we're not speaking up when we ought. Here we need to pray for the gift of fortitude, which gives us the grace and strength necessary to address with our brother or sister in Christ what needs to be addressed. Otherwise, whatever is unresolved, you know what happens, festers and destroys relationships. Pope Francis reminded us in his apostolic exhortation, the joy of the gospel, that conflict can wield a kind of power over us. Listen to what he had to say. Conflict cannot be ignored or concealed. It has to be faced. But if we remain trapped in conflict, we lose our perspective. Our horizons shrink and reality itself begins to fall apart. In the midst of conflict, we lose our sense of the profound unity of reality. So, my friends, let us live in the Christian reality of charity and truth. Now, maybe some of us say, well, I, I can't go there because then I'm judging someone. You know, I often hear from different people that they do not confront the issue at hand because they feel that they are, well, judging someone. But we must remember that God does not condemn necessarily the judgment of something if it is breaking down the body of Christ, what is objective. And again, by objective, we, we mean what is external revealed and seen. But he condemns the judgment of someone when we are critical of why they do what they do. For this, we do not know. And of course, this is the subjective realm, the, the realm of what is internal, hidden, and unseen. Now, in saying that, we must also be sure that we are not premature in our judgments, huh? What is objective will always be seen for what it is, but sometimes this takes time. Here I'm thinking of that story that always strikes home with me when talking about judgment. The story that comes to us from the mother and daughter. The mother shares of the time when there were two apples left, and the mother tells the daughter, well, be sure to save an apple for me. The daughter grabs both apples and takes a bite of both of them. And then as the mother tells the story, she got really upset. Why did you do that? Why did you take a bite out of both apples? And the daughter says, Mommy, I just took a bite out of both apples to see which one was sweeter because that's the one I want to leave for you. <laughs> so mom was humbled. <laughs> and so should we. So should we be humbled and be reminded that when we place a judgment on any one thing that is objective, we better be sure that our judgment is upon what is solidly and objectively true. Certainly we can add our Lord's parables on the weeds and the wheat, right? In the end, my friends, we have the obligation to offer fraternal correction when it is appropriate because it keeps us in the moral standard set up by Christ. I mean, if you were to consider another analogy, why would we have officers of law 
if not for the objective standard that establishes right from wrong. If I'm pulled over by a police officer because I was going over the speed limit by 50 miles per hour, how would the officer respond if I told the officer, well, it's okay to go over the speed limit because this is what I think is okay? Well, at the very least, the officer would remind me what? Well, that going 80 miles per hour in a 65 mile an hour zone is against the law. He would be making a statement of fact. There is a civil standard that serves the greater order of the whole of society, which we call the moral consensus, right? And I need to be obedient to that law. Likewise, my friends, Christ has set up moral standards of truth for the greater order of the whole. And we have the responsibility, like that of a police officer, to reprove when necessary. And again, always in the spirit of gentleness, understanding the importance of timing, and with appropriateness in the way we speak. And I do not use the word understanding loosely here. To live in the gift of understanding is to be able to grasp the interior meaning of each encounter and how it manifests itself in the relationship. Only with the gift of understanding do we have the ability to perceive behind a feeling that is manifested, behind an opinion that is expressed. Something else, my friends, is always hidden, and understanding allows each encounter to mature according to its full meaning. So again, we turn to verse 5, and we hear the words of St. Paul that in every way you were enriched in him with all speech and with all knowledge. Yes, my friends, let our speech give glory to God. Let our speech not condemn, but praise. Reprove when necessary, but always, always in the virtues of gentleness and reverence. And how about knowledge, the knowledge of Jesus Christ? to come to know more about Jesus Christ, to increase in knowledge about Jesus Christ, is quite simply, my friends, to live a more virtuous life. We accumulate knowledge in so many different areas of life, and that is fine in so far as, again, it builds up the kingdom of God and, and gives glory to God. But what is priority here is knowledge of Jesus Christ. Every other knowledge is good in so far as it serves first our knowledge about Jesus Christ. All right, let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we do just give you a special thanks and praise for the gift of another evening, the gift of being able to reflect into this all-important subject matter of gossip and the importance of our words, the importance of our speech, and how our speech is to be imbued with your goodness, your grace, your gift that is love, that our encounters with one another won't break down but build up. This is our focus. Heavenly Father, we live in a day of age that is constantly looking to break down one another. Let our words praise, affirm, call out when necessary, but always in love, always, always in love. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you.
Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.